says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Amen. Everybody say, God was with him. Well, um, I was reading this week about John G. Lake. I'm fascinated by people like John G. Lake's recent times. But John G. Lake grew up in a family that was very sickly. Uh, I think he, they were actually 16 children, and eight of them had died. They had like a spirit of infirmity on this family. And uh, John G. Lake was a very godly man and loved the Lord and fortunately survived without sickness and um, married a beautiful woman. And she became seriously ill, I think, with tuberculosis. This is back in the early 1900s and was given up by the doctors to die. And... And John G. was just very frustrated. Of course, he would be losing his wife and seeking the Lord for answers. And um, just one day after the doctor just said, they're just through with her. We, there's nothing else we can do. He took his Bible and threw it. And the Bible hit the mantelpiece and fell to Acts 10. And this verse stood out to him. And he um, heard God speak to him heard God speak to him that healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with them and saw by revelation that the sickness that was, was the devil and that he, so he went and declared over his wife and over all the demons and angels presence that at 11 o'clock that morning, this is earlier in the day she would be healed and uh telegraphed a couple of his buddies to be praying for him because he was going to have to go in there and at 11 o'clock and get her healed but he really believed the Lord was going to heal her and at 11 o'clock he went in there and commanded the sickness to leave her body she was instantly healed um, and went on to have a pretty powerful ministry John G. Lake was a uh, a businessman a millionaire in his, in his day uh, who later became a great healing evangelist missionary um, documented hundreds of thousands of people were healed as a direct result of his ministry. And that's really how it started. It started from him being so desperate for the Lord to heal people. And uh, I had an experience this this, uh, this weekend where a young lady came up for prayer and <clears throat> she had numbness in her arm. She said she couldn't. And when she got up there, she just spilled out all this stuff and she was bipolar, she was demonized, she couldn't sleep, uh, and she was just crying out for God to help her, you know, to deliver her and to heal her, and um, it really uh, touched my heart, a person, you know, when a person's in that state. Now, I really want us to, you know, John G. Lake was touched by his wife's infirmity and by his family's infirmities, and just feeling the personal pain of it, but the Lord, I felt the Lord let me feel what he felt towards that woman, um, you know, that it was, God's heart was broken over her and her state, so I wanted us to ask the Lord, you know, and I think what happens with us about all this kind of thing about healing and stuff, we sort of go up and down with it, it feels like, over the years, and you know, we'll go after it for a while, and then we'll give up, because we don't seem to do too well with it, or, or something doesn't work, and but I want us to uh, take a moment 
And because really, I believe the world is a hurting place. This woman was uh, from New Orleans. She was just a displaced woman. So she was just in a mess ever, from every angle. But I just think it's not acceptable for Christians to to be in our, our state that we're in. That's just the way I really feel. It's not acceptable. And I'm challenged by, by all this, that we're in a state of powerlessness and uh, uh, lukewarmness in our hearts. And there's, there's people that are, are in des- desperate need of God. And God has placed us on this earth to meet those needs. And we really need to take that real serious, I, th- I feel. So the church really needs to help people do it. Do what God did. Instead of just talking about it. So I want to, let's just take a moment. This is what I want you to do. We're going to ask the Lord to speak to each one of us. And uh, at the end of the service, we'll give you a chance. What I'd like for you to do is just, if there's anyone who needs healing, if there's anything that the Holy Spirit would like to reveal to you uh, in terms of maybe somebody here who has a sickness or a financial need or anything in their life, you ask the Lord to reveal it to you. And then in the end, I'll give you a chance to come up and speak it out. And those people who that affects, you can pray for them. And I'm just going to ask you not to preach when you come up, but just to give what God's given you and then give people an opportunity who that affects. But I want everybody in this room to take it personal, this kind of stuff, because I don't think, part of our problem with the world is, is we, we can't even do the stuff in the church where it's safe and easy and you know we're sort of promoting it. Uh, when you go out in the world where it's not so safe and easy, when nobody's promoting it, you know, we're in, we're in the hole. So let's just take a moment right now, and I'm going to pray this prayer, and you can repeat this prayer silently. Holy Spirit, Father, in, in Jesus' name, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come on me right now and reveal to me any word of knowledge, any word of wisdom, anything that you would see where in terms of someone needing a supernatural touch to heal, Lord, and set free and bring comfort to those who are oppressed by the devil in this room today. In Jesus' name. Well, we want to do good today. We don't want to just hear about doing good, but we want to do good. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, let's put up uh, Matthew 6. This won't be a long message. It's designed to be short. I'm asking the Lord to give me a new way to preach. Quick, fast, slam it down. You know, just do the slam and jam, and then let's do, do the deeds. Okay, because you can only do so much. So, you know, I think most people have been taught to death. That's... But Matthew 6, 9 through 10, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So uh, Luke 17, let's read Luke 17, 20 through 21, Drew. And then we'll take a little break for a minute, and I'll, I'll get back to you. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, they were asked the question, When will the kingdom come? He answered them and said, The kingdom does not come with observation. Okay, it does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus was telling the Pharisees where to find the kingdom. It was to find it inside of us, inside of our being. So uh, the, the legitimate question is, why should we pray a prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if the kingdom of God is already within us? Colossians 1.13 states this very clearly. He has delivered us from the power of darkness 
and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son of His love. In other words, when you're born again, God has placed you in His kingdom. That is without question biblically. If you're born again, no matter what you are or who you are this morning, you're in the kingdom, and the kingdom is in you. So what's the difference between you being in the kingdom and the kingdom being in you? There's no difference than the air that you're breathing this morning. Breathe in. Now what's in you? Breathe out. What's out here? Air. You see what I'm saying? That we're in the kingdom. The kingdom's in us. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. That's a good way of looking at it. So when somebody asks you that question, because people will ask you some questions, man. All right. So the question is, is uh, why should we pray this way? Why should we seek this if we're already in it? What's, <laughs> Lord, put me at River Life Fellowship right now. Oh, Byron, you're already there. What's wrong with you, you silly boy? Okay? That would be the way it sort of sounds. But what we need to see is uh, um, what the Bible really teaches about being in the kingdom, the kingdom being in us. And I want to read some things to you. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here uh, the Apostle Paul uh, briefly tells uh, mankind what they're made up of. They're made up of three parts. Everybody should know this. This is real basic. Number one, you're made up of a body. This is your outward man, your physical body. And your body is what's in touch with the world around you through your five senses. I can feel this metal right here through my body telling me that. That's what your body's primary job is to do, is, is to be in touch with the world around you, to see things, hear things. All right, then there's a the soul, body, soul. Your soul is what's in touch with yourself. When I hurt Jenny Stein's feelings, okay, she can say, you hurt my feelings. But only she knows that because she is in touch with her feelings. It's her emotions. Your emotions are expressed in feelings. So that's the inner part of you. That's the part of you that's in touch with you, who you are, what you are. Only you know all that stuff ultimately, you and, you and the Holy Spirit. And then finally there's the spirit part of us. And that is the part that's in touch with the, with, the, with the spiritual realm. That's the part that's in touch with the Lord. So each one of us who are born again are made up of those three uh, parts. Okay? Now, here's another important information that you need to know, or if you don't already know. In, in the Bible, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through 5, and you'll get all this. Paul describes basically three categories of human beings in the earth. One are heathens. Those are flat people who don't know the Lord, never received Christ as their Savior. They're just un, you know, unsanctified, unregenerated people. All right, the other has something to do with us this morning. They're the number one carnal Christians, or what he called babes in Christ. Carnal Christians are babes in Christ. Okay? And then the other ones are the spiritual people. So you this morning, you're either one of those two people. You're either a carnal Christian or you're a spiritual, spiritual person. Okay? And only you and the Lord can determine that. So here's what happens. Let me tell you what the difference are. When you receive Christ as your Savior, okay, when you ask Him, you repent and turn your life over to Christ, uh, enter into the kingdom, the kingdom of God comes into you, Christ seeks you in heavenly places. I'm just sort of giving you all these terms the Bible uses to describe this thing that happens to you. Being born again, Jesus Christ, by His Holy Spirit, comes into your spirit and makes your spirit alive. Okay? That's what happens to you. Did y'all know that? Say amen if you knew it. Come on. All right, but here's the thing that most Christians don't realize. 
Jesus Christ has come into your spirit, He does not automatically come into your soul realm. He does not automatically come into your feelings. He does not automatically come into your mind. Now, you need to understand that. He comes into your soul realm, into your mind realm, into your feelings realms by permission and permission only. That's how, and that's what real Christian maturity and real Christian growth really is. It is the Christ in your spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in your spirit invading, overcoming your soul realm, overcoming your mind, overcoming your emotions, overcoming your will by your permission. Okay, now do y'all understand that? Now it's really important that you understand that. And that's why, you know, there's a, a need for Christians to have deliverance from oppression. That's why Paul said stuff like this, take every thought captive, every thought, the thoughts that's coming into your mind, because every thought that's in there is not of Christ, and you have to begin to deal with those thoughts. Okay, you, have to de- you, you see what I'm saying? It's, that's part of your soul realm is your mind. So when, Jesus, when the Pharisees was asking Jesus about the kingdom, he was saying, listen, the kingdom's inside of you. That's where it begins. It finds your beginning in you by what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's where it finds its beginning in you. As the Christian, it finds your beginning in you this morning if you will begin to change your mind. Repent means change your mind. Remember that? It means change your mind. The mind is the gateway to the supernatural. That's how the supernatural begins to operate in Christians. It's through the Christian's permission. It's through the Christian's thinking. It's through the Christian's mind. Everybody with me? Uh, you know, there's, uh, here's a couple of things I wrote down. The mind must be transformed from earthly, natural, and reasonable thinking that holds faith back to heavenly thinking that releases the kingdom. That is not automatic in your life. That will not happen if, if you don't make some conscious choices of your will. You will hold back heavenly thinking. Okay? The operation of personal faith, though initiated by the Holy Spirit, the operation of personal faith is initiated by the Holy Spirit, in your spirit must be, can be, and must only be released by the permission of your mind. It is not just going, oh, some big blast from heaven. It doesn't happen that way. God didn't design us that way. All right, everybody with me so far? I hope you're getting interested in this. All right, in the church, okay, I'm going to divide the Christians down a little bit further in terms of our thinking and our mind, okay? Because I'm really going after your mind this morning because I'm finding your mind is very important, and I find it in the Bible. There's two, basically two ways we approach this, our mind, our reason, our thinking. One is you have the mind, what I will call them the mindless Christians. And those are just people who are emotionally driven, think it's spiritual, not to use their mind. They just think it's spiritual and don't use their mind at all. And, you know, that's why people get wound up being led astray by people who are, are very cultic, like David Koresh or Jim Jones. Some of y'all probably don't remember them guys, but they were bad guys that led people astray and there'll be more of them that come uh, and they, these people think uh, doing without about reason is, is God's pleased with that that's the way God wants us to be well that's uh, far from the truth and I want to just read I'm going to quote a few scriptures to you about your mind that you'll find surprising really one is Luke 24 
of verse 45. It's, it, Jesus, it said that Jesus opened their understanding, opened their mind that they could comprehend the Scripture. He opened their mind so they could comprehend the Scripture. Romans 7.25. This is, Romans 7.25 I blew me away when I, I read it. This is what Paul said. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, everybody say with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Here's the greatest, one of the greatest Christians who ever says, with my mind. Here's one of the most spiritual men who walked on the earth saying, with my mind I serve God. Uh-oh. All right, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. If, you don't, if your mind is not engaged in your Christianity, you really don't have a true biblical Christianity. You really don't. God did not, when He said, let's flush some stuff this morning, He wasn't talking about flushing your mind. He really wasn't. He's about flushing the junk that's got into your mind. And into your spirit. Alright, here's a great one. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. This is what Paul was saying. What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. Anybody here pray with the Spirit much? I encourage it. Pray with the Spirit often and every day and, you know, as long as you can. You know? You can pray with your Spirit and think about something else. Did you know that? You can pray with your Spirit and think about, you know, what you're going to cook for supper. I mean, you really can. And you're being edified. You're being built up. It doesn't take away from it. Okay? He said, I will pray with the Spirit, but I also will pray with understanding. I will pray with my mind. I'll do both. He said, I'll, I will sing with the Spirit. You know, people like me need to sing with the Spirit a lot because can't, I can't sing good. But I also sing with my understanding. I'm going to use my mind when I'm saying I'm going to think about it. Okay? So those, what, is, what Paul is saying is, is you can't just... Toss the mind out the door. You got to use the mind. Come on, talk to me this morning. This is the gateway. The mind's the gateway to the supernatural. You want to get into the supernatural realm? You want to see what it's like to live in the heavenly places? Get your mind in line with what the Bible teaches. All right, now, then there's the other extreme, which probably, because I don't think many people in this room here just sort of fall into mindless category. I think most people in this room really sort of are not emotionally driven. I mean, I can get emotional and you know, act, you know, start acting up. But most of the time, I'm pretty engaging in my mind, really. Uh, but this is one I think probably many of us may have a tendency to fall into, is the intellectually driven Christian. These are people who have elevated the mind above its proper place. See, the other one have demoted the mind below where it's supposed to be. Now we've got a group that elevates it more. And all of us tend to do that occasionally, Right? We tend to make our mind more important than it really is when it comes to spiritual things. Uh, this group lives in the illusion that they are safe because they only accept the things they understand. That's an illusion. I only accept what I understand. I don't understand that angels could actually appear. <laughs> you know? So you're safe, right? But that didn't stop them angels. <laughs> you know? I don't believe in demons because I've never seen them. Well, you're not safe. They're real. <laughs> You know, and they will mess you up if you let them because of your gates that you've opened to them. Well, here's what Paul said. Let me just read some things about Paul said. Are y'all with me? He said, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Everybody knows that. That's a great scripture. 
we all think about that in terms, I don't know what we think about in terms. We don't think about what it simply says. The bottom line is we don't believe the Bible. Because here's Paul flat saying that he didn't want to place anything in what I think it is. Okay, I'm thinking apart from, from Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Has anybody ever told you some spiritual event that happened and you just thought it was craziness? Tell the truth. Raise your hand. If you de- Honestly, I have, and I combat that stuff constantly. Somebody would be telling me some, some spiritual thing, and I'm thinking, that's crazy. I remember one time, one of the most profound things I ever heard preached when the guy first said it, I thought, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, that's the first thought that came to my mind. And it was one of the great spiritual truths that really impacted my life as a young Christian. Intellectually sophisticated. The intellectually sophisticated man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. That, that has a twist to it. Intellectually sophisticated, and I never really consider myself to be intellectually sophisticated because I don't consider myself to be a highly intelligent person. It's not talking about that. It's talking about a person who has placed their intellect above the spirit instead of submitting their intellect. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be intellectually sophisticated or wise in this age, First Corinthians three eighteen, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Let him just become not so intellectually sophisticated. Let him become, oh, my Lord, I need, to su- I need to submit my mind to the Spirit. I need to bow my mind. If anyone, 1 Corinthians 8, 2, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. So really the way you get to know something, really know it, is you, you, have, to, you have to lay down your thinking. You really have to lay down your thinking. All right, now here's here's what I've learned. Now I, this is this really is is key for you. Put up James one twenty one, Drew. James one twenty one. Told you I'd get back to you. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. All right, see so, now this is important for us this morning. Filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Now, I'm not no guy who wants. I don't like preaching against stuff. You know, but I really would like to warn us because I feel warned by the Lord about television, about movies, about magazines, about stuff, stuff we listen to. Because there's nothing that really honors God in watching a television show that may not show anything sexually explicit, but it glorifies a man and a woman having a relationship outside of marriage. Or a man leaving his wife to go to another woman. But there's nothing. But it was a great movie. It was a great show. There was nothing bad about it. That's not something we need to be subjecting ourselves to. And that's really what James is encouraging people. Listen, we got to... And that's really what the Lord was saying. you got to begin to flush this stuff out of your life. This stuff is what's destroying people's lives spiritually. This stuff is what's really keeping us from really being able to see in the heavenly places, to have God's perspective. And, you know, it's not that... You know, we had to be down on the world. I mean, what we need to do is, is really begin to look in our own hearts where this filthiness is, is coming in, you know, through our ears and our eyes that we've given over to these things. And as we begin to see these things and begin to change our mind about them and say, well, no, that television show is not a good television show. 
and I'm not going to watch it no more. That's a change in your mind. That's giving God a chance in your life. But then he goes on and says, all right, that's just part of it. See, most people, they, can, they understand that. We will do that as Christians. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't watch that. We shouldn't listen to that. We shouldn't read that. But we don't. This is the other part we've got. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And see, there's this humility that is required if you are going to really walk in the heavenly place, if you're going to really be a heavenly Christian, a spiritual Christian, it is going to take a lot of humility on your part. It, really, it takes a huge amount of humility. It takes a huge amount of being willing to lay down your opinions about what the Bible says and lay down your opinions of what you think about things and you think about spiritual things, and you think about what other people have said and their experiences with the Lord. It takes humility to do that. And it's going to take humility over and over and over for if you're going to really be able to receive and be able to really for your spirit to be opened up and your mind really to be renewed and to receive that mind of Christ. Because Paul said it would seem foolish to us, these spiritual things. So I find most of the times the things that are genuinely are truly spiritual and truly God, when I first hear them, they're, they're offensive to me. I, my first thing is to want to reject them and say, it can't, you know, that's crazy. How can that be real? How can that be real? Yet I find when I humble myself and allow those things to come in my life, they bear good fruit in my life. And I'm finding that's how the kingdom of God really does find its, its life in me, its place in me. I'm finding that's how one of the greatest ways is for to allow the Christ that's down in my spirit to really take over my soul and take over my thinking. It's through submitting myself. Let's read, uh, Drew, put Proverbs 15:33. It says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. See, a lot of people want honor, but they're not willing to humble themselves. They're not willing to humble themselves into a greater wisdom. And see, that's what God's calling us to in, in this hour. He's calling us to a greater wisdom, not a natural wisdom, not a human wisdom, but a spiritual wisdom. He's not calling us to just kick our brains out the window and act like a, you know, just be all emotional. Uh, but He's also not calling us to elevate our mind and try to understand. We'll never be able to understand all these things. We have to have a belief. I'm sure when John G. Lake got that verse, he didn't know how, you know... How does this work? Well, he believed God. And his wife was healed. You know, it was, she received a miracle. And he went on to have, a, like, a, like I said earlier, a tremendous healing ministry. So I think really what the Lord wants us to do is to really think about our minds this morning. Your mind is the gateway for the kingdom of God. The kingdom can have access to your life. The supernatural world can have access to your life through the gateway of your mind, through you doing what Jesus said, Matthew 4, 17, repent, change your mind, and let the kingdom in. Let the kingdom into your mind. That's how your mind's renewed. And as, as, as you begin to, a lifestyle of changing your mind, a lifestyle of continually humbling yourself and your thinking, God will continue to come into your thinking and your gate to the supernatural world will be open and you will begin to see more supernatural things happen in your life. You'll begin to see into the spiritual realm. 
more and more. You'll begin to hear angels sing. You'll begin to see see uh, uh, you know people healed and people delivered. I was I told her about an experience I had last night with Becky. Uh, you know, bedtime and she was you know doing what women do before they go to bed. They do all this stuff in front of the mirror. Why do they do that? I don't know. You know, I could really go off on that one big time, but I'm not going to. Because he's like, they do all that stuff in the room, but it's never for me. It's just for them. You know, making themselves look good to go to bed anyway. <laughs> just get y'all loosened up. Anyway, I saw this blue cloud, small cloud about the size of my hand, right behind her head. That's what I saw. And I, and I told her, I said, you got grace thinking going on. Because, you know, blue is the color of grace. That's what you got. What you, you know, what you mean? I said, well, you're just you're thinking. It's, you've got this renewed thinking in your life right now. Okay? That's what's happening with you. So this morning, that's all I told her. I didn't tell her what I saw. So this morning, I was talking to her a little bit more and, and about it, and she said, well, and I told her about the blue, blue thing okay, that I saw. You see, now y'all may think that's stupid. Probably some of you did. I bet you I could say, how many of y'all think that's stupid? You'd, some of you would raise your hand. Well, if I was sitting where you're sitting, I heard somebody said, I think it was stupid too. That would be my first thought. So here I've given you an example of how to say, no, I'm, I'm taking that thought captive. Why wouldn't a man be able to see something into the spirit world? That God was trying to show him something. Why wouldn't God do that? Why did he fill the Bible up with stuff like that? But we can't do it. Why can't we? We should, we must be able to do that if we're going to live according to the Bible. You see what I'm saying? I mean, I just gave you a great, a great chance to change your mind, to repent, okay, to get that renewed thing. But she was saying, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, have you ever woke up in the morning and your first feeling is depression? Anybody ever had that? I've had it. We've all had it. Sometimes it's just hormones. Sometimes, you know, for girls. I don't know what it is for men. What excuse do they have, you know? We haven't figured out a good excuse. Just bad mood. You know, but what she's saying is, you know, wake up in the morning, I, the first thing I have is a depression coming at me, making a decision. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to live in depression. Why am I not going to live in depression? Because the Bible says I can have a, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. The Bible says I have a renewed mind as long as I'm allowing the mind of Christ to come into my mind. And the mind of Christ, I'm going to tell you this, is not depressed. I don't care how many hormones you got. And I'm, you know, not discounting that that stuff's not true and there's things, but God, some words, God's got to be in that even. I mean, can He be? You see what I'm saying to you this morning? We have to allow His mind to come to us. And that's what I was feeling like she was, was able to walk in. You know, she was walking in this thing of this renewed mind, which I call a grace mind, you know, because it's grace, all of the grace of God coming on us and coming into our mind. Um... Now, here's one of the challenges I have. I just want to share a, a personal challenge with you. Is I have this challenge, you know, like my mama is, will be 88 years old this year, okay? And she is, uh, she's born again. My mama, she's not happy. She's lonely. She lives in, she's 88 years old. She lives in the house by herself. Well, refuses to live with anybody else. She's, you know, got a good mind, basically, you know, as far as memory, you know, how old people get, forget stuff. Uh, but she's insecure, Okay? She's an insecure person. She's not happy with her life. My mama didn't have a good life when I look at it. When I look back on her life, she, she had a pretty hard life, really. And here she is by herself, been by herself for eight years now, 
And, and I'm thinking, Lord, why does my mama not have a good life? Why did her life... Where's the kingdom of heaven for my mama? Where is the kingdom of heaven? And I'm thinking, well, maybe for some people, it might be better for my mama to go on and go to heaven. Okay? Because I don't know that my mama's ever going to really walk in that kingdom of heaven right here on this earth as Jesus expected us to have. But I'm thinking about, okay, I, I don't really understand that, Lord, but I know this about me. I'm 51 years old. And I'm thinking about Moses. Well, you told Moses that in his life, you told him, Moses, it, you've got to die, son. It's time. You're done. Okay? Moses was full of vigor and full of doing God's work when he was 80 years old. 120. How old was he when he died? 120, yeah. So I'm thinking, God didn't design us to be like this lady who we ministered to Friday night. Just bipolar, consumed, life-consumed. He didn't design us to be like my mama is today. That's not my future. That's not your future. But then what we have to do is we have to start changing our mind and letting the mind of Christ come into our minds. Letting it, allowing it. We really do. That's what God has for us. God does not have this thing. Well, Byron, the only way you're going to get into the kingdom is, is when you die and go to heaven. I'm saying no. I think the kingdom of heaven is for today, right now, in my life. Amen? So that's what we want.